Chapter Fifteen of Faulkner's Folly by Carolyn Wells. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Fifteen, Natalie in danger. Natalie, what are you doing? Joyce entered Natalie's room to find her on her knees before an open trunk. Hats and gowns lay about the room. The wardrobe shelves were empty, and as the girl was fairly flinging wearing apparel into the tills, the question was superfluous. I'm packing the model answered to go away why what has happened why do you want to go natalie rose to her feet a negligee of pale green liberty silk fell in lovely folds about her her slender arms were bare and her hair hung in two long braids i can't stand it any longer joyce she said her voice quivering it's all so dreadful suspicion everywhere and everybody looking on me as a murderer and now natalie dear don't talk like that and anyway you can't go i don't believe they'd let you why not i'm not under arrest or surveillance or whatever they call it you would be if you tried to go away don't you know we are all watched whatever we do or wherever we go but they don't suspect you any more joyce and you were found just as near eric as i was when-when he hush natalie you don't know what you're talking about why now they suspect eugene i know they do but he didn't do it he'll soon convince them of that i'm not sure that he can and suppose he did do it kill eric joyce you're crazy why would he you know well enough that he loved you yes but that wouldn't make him commit crime why you wouldn't marry him if he won you in that way of course i wouldn't and that's what's worrying me if he and eric quarrelled about me and if-oh i can't tell you just what i mean i know if eugene reproved eric for his neglect of you or for his attentions to me it might have led to high words and mr courtenay is a very impetuous man and eric never would brook a word of criticism oh of course i understand joyce but eugene must be cleared he must be at any cost look here natalie did you know eric had left you such a big bequest natalie flushed and began to walk nervously up and down the room why she said not looking at joyce he told me he'd leave me a nice little sum but he said he wasn't going to die till he was ninety so i didn't pay much attention to the matter but didn't you know the sum he mentioned in his will had he never told you why do you ask that because that will was altered the sum he wrote for you was made ten times greater was it natalie spoke slowly as if to gain time yes it was you knew this how could i know it i never saw the will they think you did they think you altered it who thinks so the police and mr stiles and eugene asked me about it i thought i'd ask you before anybody else did that was dear of you joyce natalie sat down on a couch and taking her chin in her two palms sat silent a moment joyce she said at last why are you good to me you think i killed eric no i don't natalie but oh don't you see i don't want to think it was eugene and i don't know which way to turn you're not in such a terrible strait as i am joyce and natalie's blue eyes turned dark with sadness unutterable i don't know what to do i've no one to ask no one to confide in can't you tell me you least of all 
mrs faulkner is a dear but she is so unwilling to admit she suspects anybody i mean anybody we know she insists it was some stranger and-it wasn't-i mean oh what am i saying joyce i shall go crazy natalie looked distraught her eyes had a wild look as of a hunted animal her little fingers plucked at the silk of her robe and her slippered foot tapped the rug continuously you didn't love eric did you and joyce looked at the girl as if seized with a new idea no i hated him forgive me joyce but i can't help it he was almost repulsive to me not physically he was handsome and most correct mannered and all that but i was afraid of him i've only posed for a few artists but they were all you know impersonal in their relations with me but eric made love to me from the first i know it i saw it and you didn't resent it i felt more pity for you than jealousy of you i know eric and oh natalie i tried so hard to be good and to do my duty but eugene was always around you know and must i confess it i was rather glad that eric's attention was taken up with his model i know i saw all that but you see i care for barry and eric told me what natalie no i can't tell you oh joyce i am in danger i can't ward it off and i can't meet it what shall i do what can i do may i come in and barry appeared at the door of the boudoir yes joyce answered come on in this child says she is going away she isn't and barry slammed the trunk lid shut turned the key removed it and put it in his pocket oh cried natalie forced to smile at this high-handed piece of business there's a lot of things in there i want can't have em returned barry unless you promise to put em back in that very empty wardrobe i see yawning at us barry i must go away i've i've good reasons joyce had left the room and barry sat down beside the trembling little figure and put an arm around her don't speak of going away natalie don't think of it it would look like confession have you heard about the will she asked an awestruck note in her voice yes but never mind about that when we get married all my half the fortune will be yours anyway that item of seven thousand or seventy thousand makes no difference to us but you don't think i forged it do you barry of course not darling i don't think you ever did a wrong thing in your life of any sort or description and i wouldn't care if you had wouldn't you care if i had committed crime oh if you put it that way i suppose i'd care but i'd love you just the same just the same just exactly darling and you don't think i changed that will i do not who did do you think how do you know anybody did joyce says so well never mind about it if i know who did it i won't tell you and you needn't ask it was a very strange thing for anybody to do barry except you yes except me oh you do think i did it hush sweetheart don't talk so loud now listen natalie you're in a tight place there's no use denying it you are now i want you to promise me to do exactly as i tell you in every instance you trust me to do only what is best for both of us don't you for both of us yes barry the blue eyes were very sad but the soft voice did not falter 
that's a trump my own little trump there are some dark hours ahead darling i don't know just how things will turn but i'm trying to head off trouble and i hope to succeed very eugene courtney didn't kill eric did he no natalie he didn't that clairvoyant business was all poppycock then how did she read those questions barry i think that was wonderful it was natalie i concede you that she couldn't have used any trickery there there was absolutely no chance she really read them then by clairvoyant sight i don't see any other explanation nor do i then why wasn't her vision of the-the scene in the studio the truth i don't say it wasn't i don't say but what somebody did slip past joyce and get into the room that way but it wasn't courtney i don't think it was either of course you don't now my own little girl remember you've promised me to love honour and obey you you darling and natalie's speech was interrupted by an impulsive kiss you blessed angel but you mustn't say such things they unnerve me and i've a hard row to hoe my girl can't i help only by doing the things you just promised to do i want you to of course it was only the suggestion in the phrase you used that drove me crazy some day sweetheart you shall promise before witnesses but just now swear to me alone that you will obey my least dictate in this this trouble i will barry and solemnly natalie lifted her scarlet curved lips for the kiss that sealed the compact mr roberts is here said joyce looking in at the door he wants to see natalie oh i can't see him and natalie clung tremblingly to barry what shall i do do just as i tell you dearest see him of course and then i'll have to dress go on down barry and talk to him till i come natalie seemed to turn brave all in a moment at barry's words stannard went downstairs and joyce helped the girl to slip into a house-gown a pretty one she stipulated i want him to like me as if any one could help doing that and joyce selected a little grey velvet with lots of soft lace falling away from the round-cut bodice there she said as natalie hastily twisted up her hair and thrust a couple of shell-pins at it you look a dream a demure little dream natalie be careful won't you the girl gave joyce a long look and said softly yes for his sake then she went slowly downstairs bobsy roberts was talking with mrs faulkner as natalie entered he jumped up and greeted the lovely girl with an impulsive so sorry to trouble you but i must ask you a question or two and i promise to cut it short what is it and natalie gave him one of her confiding smiles bobsy hesitated how could he ask a fairy like that a rude blunt question but it had to be done and he said it's it's about mr stannard's will did you ever see it clearly natalie was surprised it seemed to be not the query she had looked for but she was calm after the slightest pause she said slowly very slowly as if choosing her words no mr roberts i have never seen mr stannard's will why should i see it you know he left you a large sum of money of course i know that mr stiles informed me did you not know of it before mr stiles told you natalie glanced at barry who smiled at her 
yes that is i knew mr stannard had left me a bequest but i did not know how much nor did i care natalie lost her self-control do you suppose i wanted that money i did not and i do not i refuse to take it my dear child said beatrice faulkner rising and going to sit beside her don't say such things the money is honestly yours not so fast mrs faulkner said roberts amazed at natalie's excited words we cannot feel sure the money honestly belongs to miss vernon until we know who altered mr stannard's will did you he turned quickly to natalie with his question as if anxious to get the miserable business over certainly not she replied with disdain in every line of her face in the first place mr bobsey i mean mr roberts the light laugh that greeted her slip of the tongue served to break the tension of the moment forgive me she said and her dimpling smile of embarrassment would have turned the head of an anchorite you see i've heard you called that and though i didn't mean to be familiar i-i got sort of mixed up all right miss vernon it doesn't matter at all one robert's as good as the other it's funny to have two names alike isn't it and natalie's voice shook a little yes and then with an effort bobsey returned to the attack you know nothing of the change in the will then miss vernon i certainly don't did somebody change the text yes it's a mysterious affair but if you know nothing about it we must ferret it out as best we can he spoke lightly but his eyes never left natalie's face in fact roberts was by no means asking her because he attached any importance to her spoken answer but because he hoped by her expression or by some inadvertent slip to learn the truth even though she tried to conceal it mr roberts she said suddenly if i wish to go away from this house is there any reason i should not do so i'd rather you would ask somebody else that miss vernon whom shall i ask captain steele or i am answered you mean i would not be allowed to go i think it would be better for you to remain where you are there may be developments shortly that will call for your presence though they may not affect you seriously please don't plan to go away just now but also don't think my advice more indicative than it is meant to be roberts went off and the four people he left behind sat in a constrained silence at last beatrice spoke we must all band together to save natalie she said very seriously there is no use deceiving ourselves natalie is in danger we know and love her so we can't connect her in our minds with any wrong-doing but to outsiders the case looks different let us then face conditions that exist and plan how we can best help her there's only one way said joyce and that is to find the real murderer i wish i had never let that orienta mix herself into the matter it's her talk that turns suspicion toward eugene and we all know he's innocent but when we try to find out who is the criminal eugene's name comes up i'm not sorry we had the clairvoyant said beatrice thoughtfully as you say we all know mr courtenay is innocent but if there was an intruder orienta explained how he could have entered you wouldn't have heard anyone pass you in the billiard-room that night would you joyce no i'm sure not i was-i was crying and i gave no thought to anything but my own troubles then somebody may have slipped by you of course not mr courtenay but somebody i wish that woman had seen the intruder's face said natalie suddenly 
you know i believe in clairvoyance i'm psychic myself i wonder oh i wonder if i could find out anything in that way what are you talking about said barry impatiently don't you mix yourself up in those witchcraft things tisn't a witchcraft and anyway i've a notion to try it don't you think i might mrs faulkner might what dear find out something about the mysteries that are growing deeper and more numerous all the time i don't know i'm sure began beatrice with a helpless look but barry said sternly i forbid it and turning on his heel he left the room End of chapter 15